Hello, this is Ian Wolfe, producer of Diffusion Science Radio. This show depends on your support. Please make a donation directly with the PayPal button at www.diffusionradio.com or support Diffusion by downloading a free audiobook from audibletrial.com science or go to diffusionradio.com support and click on an Amazon link or buy my nano drones. The International Science Radio Show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we inject weird and wonderful science directly into your brain. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this edition, artificial intelligence, smartwatches and Google augmented reality. But first up, here's the news. Beautiful new physics? The decay of a particle called a beauty meson, measured at the Large Hadron Collider by two separate detectors, shows evidence of a particle heavier than any predictions from the standard model of quantum physics allow. If these measurements are confirmed, it may finally break the standard model and usher in new physics. Physicists have desperately wanted to be proved wrong for a long time. Physicists have been stuck with the standard model which explains quantum physics, but has no place for gravity and general relativity, which explains gravity, but has no place for quantum physics. Every experiment we do proves one or the other right. The Higgs particle discovery proved the standard model right, and more recently, gravitational waves prove general relativity is right. In order to get a better and more complete explanation of the universe, or theory of everything, they need to observe something that contradicts or breaks one or both of the major theories. They've been trying and hoping for years, but every new experiment ends up confirming them, despite the fact that they contradict each other. The Big Bang Theory, based on general relativity, says that there were equal amounts of matter and antimatter in the early universe. Why didn't it all react to cancel everything out and leave nothing? Why is there more matter than antimatter? General relativity says there isn't enough matter to make the stars move the way we see them move. But the standard model of quantum physics doesn't describe anything that could cause that movement. Now, finally, there are hints that something outside these models has been observed. Two separate detectors in December 2015 found that these beauty mesons were decaying with more photons being detected than expected. If confirmed, these extra photons may indicate a new kind of boson was present, which indicates a new kind of force may exist. However, it's not a 5 sigma discovery like the Higgs boson yet. It's only a 3.7 sigma observation, so it may be a fluke instead of new physics. On the preprint archive, arxiv.org, Physicists have posted 285 papers trying to explain the extra photons. By June or August this year, the Large Hadron Collider will have made enough observations to either dismiss the extra photons as just noise, or confirm them as a discovery of at least one new particle and the beginning of a new era of physics 
that may lead to more complete theories of everything. You're listening to Ian Wolf on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. And now, emerging technologies. Patrick Cantanzariti, otherwise known as PatCat, is the founder of DevDiner, which is a website for developers looking to get into emerging technology to help them navigate an otherwise confusing and always changing tech space. Pat is also an editor at SitePoint.com, where he writes how-to articles on all sorts of emerging technologies. We got together at the Asheville Club, where I began by asking him what technologies are emerging now that interest you the most. Too many technologies. There are so many. The ones that I kind of tend to focus on at the moment are virtual reality, augmented reality, Internet of Things and artificial intelligence are kind of the top ones. Smartwatches to an extent. I've got my Pebble watch and it's fun. So a little bit of that too. But yeah, so many things. So I saw a story that AI is coming directly to your pocket or your watch. Yeah. Is that a AI is, uh, I think AI is getting pretty good in terms of the really basic, say, asking Siri or... Okay, Google, which I will say so that anybody right now who has a Google phone just had to go off. Um, Or the Amazon Echo, which does similar stuff. They're all quite good in that they're taught specific statements that they need to understand and then kind of be updated on the fly from a distance. So as long as Amazon, Google, and Apple continue developing them, which they will, they can easily just give it new functionality pretty easily from afar and keep them growing. But there are a lot of people who say that's not really AI because they don't really learn off what you're saying and it's not really kind of going, okay, you said this thing I didn't understand. I'm going to try and work out how to answer it. It literally just says, I don't know what you just said and gives up. Or it searches the internet for it, which usually isn't very helpful either. I'd say AI is coming, but it's not really there to the extent that everybody thinks it's going to be. It's not going to be sci-fi level of you can just talk at a machine and it'll completely understand you. It's getting closer in terms of we're learning, and by I say we, but it's not really me doing it personally. We're getting closer at being able to get them to learn on their own naturally with things like machine learning. So there was the team at Google. Uh, there was an AI team that Google bought who created a AI bot that was able to defeat one of the masters at the old bot game of Go. And that was learnt just completely by training up this bot. And the thing that I loved about it was that the team who actually made the bot actually don't know how the bot won. They actually couldn't explain what it did. So that's quite cool. So there's a ton of that sort of thing, but there's not a lot of real kind of completely open AI where you could literally just say, hey, I've got this thing, it'll do anything you want. It's still very kind of niche. We're training them to learn how to understand what is in an image. And that's literally just training it by tons and tons and tons of images. And then eventually it works out, okay, this is a dog, this is a hamster, this is a person. 
but there, it still takes a lot of time and effort to kind of go through and train them up. But luckily, the world has plenty of knowledge and information now. Google has so much images and data and stuff that it can mine for information that they've kind of got an endless supply of stuff to train up their AI mastermind in. So, yeah, I'd say give it another five, ten years to actually hit what people actually want with it. But near future, we'll be able to have enough that it can fool you as long as you're not trying to really fool it with really strange random questions. But for the common stuff you're going to ask AI to do, they'll probably be able to work it out. So with stuff that's actually emerging now rather than in five to ten years' time, so you're mentioning smartwatches. Is there anything cool that smartwatches are doing now? I like the Pebble Watch, which is one which not as many people in Australia know of, at least in that arena. The, the Apple Watch has made at least the fact that smartwatches exist a very common thing now where everybody at least knows, oh yeah, there's the Apple Watch. Before that, everybody assumed that my Pebble Watch was a Samsung one, but they didn't really know what that even meant. They just knew Samsung made some watch thing that was different. The Pebble Watch is going to be cool, I think, either this year or next year, especially, where they've got the concept of smart straps where you can add new things to the watch based on just adding new straps that will wrap around so you could add extra battery which is a useful thing for everybody who hates having to charge their watch you could add things like a solar charger thing onto your wrist so that theoretically you never have to charge the watch those things are quite cool and in terms of getting actual use that the normal person would actually want so your phone already has the time so nobody really said i need a watch to tell the time anymore so the next step was going to be, okay, we have to make the smartwatch do things that otherwise would be very difficult or time consuming. So I personally use it for the notifications of just saying, okay, I've got a text, but I don't want to have to always get out my phone to see what the text was. Most of the time it's not necessary. Uh, I get emails constantly and rather than having my phone constantly go off and then having to get it out to see, okay, is this email important? I walk around now 24-7 with my phone completely on silent. It doesn't buzz or vibrate or anything. And my watch buzzes instead and tells me what the message was. And that alone has been useful and means that I can have meetings and stuff like this where I'm sure that at least one time during this interview, my watch will slightly buzz, but it'll be so soft that you won't hear it. I could theoretically pretend that I'm not paying attention and looking at my watch and you'll assume that I'm just really bored by the interview. Really, it's probably just an email from somebody. But that whole concept is, I think, a lot nicer in terms of user interface and stopping people from always looking at their phones and getting them out and interrupting conversation. Whereas a quick glance at a watch, whilst it's slightly bad and there are a lot of negative social connotations to that, is a little bit easier. There's also... Going beyond that now, the ability to not even have to get out your phone again to respond. So if it's something really simple where you're running late or something and your friend has just come to you and said, hey, where are you in a text? Rather than having to get out your phone and quickly say, oh, hey, I'm on my way, don't worry. You can literally just you know tap on your watch and say, hey, I'm on my way, don't worry. It does text-to-speech, puts it into a text message and lets you send it. So that sort of stuff is a lot easier where Rather than spending, you know, two, three minutes getting out your phone, typing the message out, sending it, 
you can just literally just kind of tap your wrist and do what you need to do. So in those areas, I think it's getting quite good. It's still really early days where if anybody is trying to think of some part of emerging technology to get into, smartwatches are being undervalued in that a lot of people assume there's nothing there, and so people aren't really developing for it. But the few companies who work out that really cool thing that you can do with a smartwatch that nobody's thought of before will make a ton of money, and everybody will really love it, and it'll become that reason to get a smartwatch. So one of the big ones that is taking off now on the Apple Watch was a recording app where you literally can just do a quick voice recording, and it may even work for you and your podcast. I don't know. I haven't tried it. But there is an app where you literally just tap your watch, and you can start recording like a voice memo. And apparently, it's incredibly easy. The sound quality is quite good. And for some people, that is perfect in that they just want to have a quick way to make a quick you know, note. Oh, hey, I need to remember this thing. Or they're somewhere, and something is happening, and they just want to quickly record the audio from it. And there are plenty of people now who are literally just, that is the main thing they use their Apple Watch for. So those sorts of capabilities are all things that come out of other people going off and developing it and thinking, okay, I want my watch to do this. Nobody else has done it before. I'm going to make it happen. So that'd be the cool thing to have. Absolutely. If you're giving a talk and you turn the recorder on your watch, it's probably about the right distance to get you loud and clear. That's exactly right. It works perfectly for that. And one of the other things that seems to have been happening in the last few months is that Google Cardboard is getting out into the public. So I've noticed Google Cardboard has a space for the camera to be free. Are there any augmented reality applications for Google Cardboard that you know about? They exist. The best example, and my favorite example, is the Viewmaster, which everybody loved comparing the Google Cardboard to a Viewmaster because they looked very similar and used very similar concepts of the whole idea of Google Cardboard is you put your smartphone into this headset and the smartphone shows two um, displays so kind of side by side next to each other but at a slightly different angle on each so that when you look at it through two lenses it looks like it is in VR and kind of looks a little bit more 3D like and Viewmaster rather than kind of disappearing off the face of the earth saw that idea and partnered with Google to make official new Viewmaster VR where it is the same idea but a little bit more, I guess, child-friendly case where it's plastic and has you know rubber for the eyepieces and stuff. And a clip to literally just make sure the phone is locked in. So if you're a parent and you gave your child the phone to use for the Viewmaster, they're not going to like throw it around and have it fling out. But I think I've heard reports that for some, the thing is opened up. But who knows what happened there. But in terms of the augmented reality stuff, one of the cool things that they've started experimenting with was rather than having the Viewmaster discs that you used to have where you put them into the Viewmaster and you clicked it and you could look at each little image and it turned 3D, they've taken those discs, turned them into a plastic disc, and they have a image on each disc which they use for augmented reality. So you look at that disc while wearing the Google Cardboard, or the Viewmaster, technically, yeah. with branding, and it detects that image that's on the disc and puts a 3D model on top of it. And they kind of use it as navigation to go through into different VR experiences. So you look at a 3D model of space, 
that appears above the disk. You click that 3D model using the, there's a clicker on the side of each of these Google Cardboard devices to select things. And so you kind of look at it and select it, and then you go into a VR experience. So Viewmaster is the first really mainstream, I guess, use that I've seen of it, where AR exists. It's not the best in terms of accuracy. I tried to do some AR stuff myself using a SDK, basically just a set of functions and stuff that you can add in to Unity, which is the program that people use for virtual reality and gaming and all that sort of thing. A lot of predefined stuff which let you do augmented reality in apps. It's called Vuforia, and it's the same thing that the Vmaster team used. And long story short, while I was using Vuforia, I was playing around with it, and I was finding that a lot of the time the marker doesn't really get detected. So if you've got an image that you've printed out on a piece of paper, you've set up Vuforia to say, OK, you see that image on the piece of paper? That means this. Put a 3D model on top. And for me, it was very buggy. Like It didn't always notice if it was there. I think it's very reliant on there being really good lighting and that sort of stuff. The resolution of your camera and stuff on your phone would also make a pretty big difference. So it wasn't great. And then looking at the Viewmaster one, it kind of has similar issues, where you have to look at it pretty closely at times to be able to really get the 3D model to be triggered. So in that way, AR is kind of it's getting there. Vuforia recently got bought by a company called PTC. I think the company that previously did Vuforia stuff, they weren't making a lot of money off it, and I think they were just kind of wanting to get out of it. Uh, but PTC saw that there is actually some pretty good potential in what they're doing. Uh, PTC is a company that works on a lot of Internet of Things style stuff. So they're working on a lot of connecting devices and technology in industry and some really in-depth stuff. And they've taken the whole idea of augmented reality and are trying to pair it up with the IoT to say, OK, the Internet of Things is wonderful, having every device connected to the internet where we can control it and remotely find out stuff about it is great. But what if we took it one step further and rather than having each device have its own buttons and things physically that you have to click and its own displays that you have to visually look at and place onto things, if they're already connected to the internet and they're already announcing what they can do and what they know, then rather than seeing them in the real world, you could have augmented reality interfaces where, say, you look at it through your phone, and if you look at it, it'll kind of come up with its own interface of, say, a, I don't know, microwave that has this technology could theoretically have its controls based on you look at the microwave through your iPad or something, and you can set a whole range of different settings based on that. And while it sounds a little bit stupid now, because you know if you're like, I just want to put something in the microwave, why do I have to get out my iPad and look at it directly to change all the settings? And doing something like that with Google Cardboard would be a pain in the butt to constantly have to put on Google Cardboard headset, put your phone in there and stuff. The long-term idea is that these headsets won't be as cumbersome. They're going to be something which you technically could wear all of the time, or you'd wear them around the house if you know you're going to be doing stuff. And they'd be more dedicated augmented reality headsets. And then the whole concept of what Vuforia does is going to be kind of passed along. So you would have a headset that you walk around and you control anything you want, basically, as long as it's understood by the headset and whatever it's running at the time.
And so a lot of the early stuff that we're seeing now with Google Cardboard is very much the early days of, okay, as long as people start developing for it now, start thinking about it now, over time, this stuff gets a lot more, I guess, stable and it kind of is adapted into new and more useful, I guess, interfaces, which is nice and will be fun. They don't seem too far away, which is good. It would seem to me that ultimately wearing something is in the way and the best interface might be some sort of projection that detects what you want to do. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I know that there's, I think it was two different patents so far. Might have been three in the end, where uh, Apple, Amazon, and I think it was Microsoft. Though I have a feeling Google tried something as well, um, where they're trying to do more projection for augmented reality rather than headset wearing. I have a feeling they kind of try and combine the two. So the patents that they were trying was very much having a room with a projector, and the projector will display things onto furniture and walls and stuff, which is it's the, the reverse way of doing augmented reality rather than wearing stuff. And so that is somewhere else that it's going. Uh, I personally don't like it as much because I feel like it's a lot more limited. It's harder to do 3D things. It's kind of very much stuck on you have to project light at a wall. Eventually, I'm sure they'll find ways to do more holographic interactive stuff, and that'll be wonderful. But also very, I guess, hard to have in every room of the house and stuff. Whereas if you're wearing a headset, you can literally walk anywhere you wanted and you'd get the functionality everywhere you are. So I think headsets are more likely to be earlier on, unless Apple come out and say they're going to release their projector for their Apple ecosystem and project things into the house and people might get excited over that. And then everybody just doesn't worry about headsets anymore because Apple said something and Apple is God and we should all follow Apple and what Apple says is good is good. But at the same time, pretty sure Apple are also working on augmented reality headsets. So they'll probably say that too. And they'll release those and we'll all be wonderfully happy with our headsets. Well, I did see that Disney has a patent for projecting cartoons and other images onto a blank cake for, for kids' parties. That is brilliant. I don't think I've seen that, which is surprising. But Disney are actually really good at all of this stuff. On a side note as well, one of the coolest things I think I've seen in robotics so far is something that Disney's research lab came up with where they managed to create a robot that can scale walls and stuff. So you literally can just get it to walk just like it did on the ground and then suddenly it's on the wall and it defies gravity and literally just goes on as if it was on ground. And that alone is pretty mind-blowing in that that technology, I'd assume, has better uses than, say, toys and stuff, which Disney are likely to use it for. But it's a good sign, I think, that companies like Disney that have a ton of money are actually putting it to use to advance society and technology and see what they can do with it. And it's good to have as many different groups as possible working on this stuff, because I think the biggest danger in technology is that one company dominates everybody else and kind of chooses the path of technology and it's much better if everybody is all working on technology and kind of coming up with new ideas. I think the other reason I like Disney being in it so much is that they're less likely to go off and try and make copies of something that somebody else has already done. So Disney aren't there going, oh hey, virtual reality is going really well. I bet now I say this, they can actually come up with it. Um, <laughs> let's make a virtual reality headset like the Oculus Rift because we can do that too. 
And while it's totally possible that they could, it looks like they're focusing a lot more on other stuff where I think they would be more likely to come up with a program or application that will run on virtual reality systems rather than trying to build their own. Whereas technology companies are much more likely to go, hey, we want to make our own thing and we want to own everything. Disney are a lot more kind of reasonable and their approaches are more, how can we make cool products that we'll be able to sell or patents that we'll be able to use to earn money later on. Uh, and they're also a lot more targeted towards, I guess, having more of a reaction of delight rather than corporate dullness and stuff. They're trying to do things that literally will look cool, that will make kids and adults, I guess, also just be like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. Disney have done things like the uh, augmented reality coloring books, where you can color characters and then they will come to life in a 3D model in front of them as they've colored them sort of thing, where that's something which I think another group also did. I think they were either in New Zealand or Australia. I remember somebody telling me. And that group is now... I guess probably a little bit disappointed that Disney have jumped in and are also doing it. But it's the sort of thing where the more people are doing this sort of stuff, the cooler it gets and the more interesting ideas pop up in people's minds. So yeah, it's cool. That was Pat Cantanzariti from devdiner.com talking about his favourite emerging technologies. You can hear the rest of this interview in the weeks to come. A special thank you to Andrew from Melbourne for his monthly donation. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Would you like to join us? We need more people contributing stories to Diffusion. You can send your contributions, opinions, congratulations, standing ovations, helpful suggestions and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. And please do send me an email so I know you're listening and you'd like to hear more episodes. Please like the Diffusion Science Radio page on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolf. Checking production was Charles Willock. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia on the Community Radio Network, including 2MVR in Nambaka Valley, 2XX in Canberra, and 3MBR in the Mallee Border Districts of Victoria and South Australia. Diffusion is syndicated globally on the National Science Foundation's Science360 internet radio station and also on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to our podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. And check the website for links, photos and videos about this week's show. If you enjoyed this show, you then explore more than 700 previous episodes archived on diffusionradio.com, where the shows are labelled by keywords so you can focus in on the stories you want to hear. Subscribe to the Diffusion YouTube channel at youtube.com slash C slash Diffusion Radio. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick. Everything from a molecule to a living organism. In the study of science is found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man. Knowledge of his physical world, its past, its present, and its future. And in your moments of relaxation, 
now and in the years to come, you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits. Photography. Collecting. Why study science? Study science because you will find in the study of science a richer, more rewarding life.